Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hello and welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bellotta and today we will be covering divorce and legalities relating to divorce. I think this is an important topic that uh, we should discuss um, because I think most of us have directly or indirectly been impacted uh, by divorce at one point or another. A recent study in Canada placed a lifetime risk of divorcing before the 30th anniversary. Approximately 40% of marriages end before the 30th anniversary and 67 to 80% of second marriages also end in divorce. Wow. I didn't know that. Uh, We'll be covering things like, when do you know a divorce is the best option? When do you speak to a lawyer? What if you can't afford a lawyer? How child support works and so much more. If you are going through a divorce, uh, are thinking of getting a divorce, or just have questions about it, then you will want to listen to this show. Joining me today is family lawyer and divorce specialist Leanne Townsend. She's a partner at the law firm Brody Thorning LLP. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy to be here. It's good to see you again. I know I haven't seen you in a while. So Leanne is my go-to family lawyer for the show. And she's been on several times, but uh, we haven't uh, covered anything uh, in terms of legalities lately. But here you are. I'm here. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's always nice having you. So with the high divorce rate, knowing what to do is so important. There's many steps to a divorce that not everyone is familiar with. If, uh, if you've tried everything that you possibly can to fix your relationship that once may have been everything to you, but it just doesn't seem to be working out anymore, uh, then um, we're going to show you what you can do and, and where to start. So Leanne, if you are married and thinking of leaving, what steps should you take before discussing a divorce with your spouse? I think, first of all, it's always important to have a plan. And so, you know, if you're in a bad marriage, often emotions are high and it's easy to act just based on emotion. But it's much better to approach separation and divorce uh, with a strategy in mind before you start talking about it with your spouse. So one of the things I I would tell people is that um, they should have a consultation with a lawyer first, um, just to find out what their rights and obligations are. uh, Because I always say knowledge is power. So does it it usually cost money? To have a conversation with a lawyer? Uh, It depends on the lawyer. So some lawyers offer a free consultation. Some lawyers um, bill for their consultation. And the Law Society of Ontario also has something called the Lawyer Referral Service, where lawyers who are on that... um, have agreed in advance to give a 30-minute free consultation. So you don't necessarily have to pay for it. But my Is it usually view, over the phone? Um, no, it can be in person or over the phone. Though at the Law Society ones, it depends on the lawyer. Um, but even if you have to pay, I, I still say, like, you know, $400, $300 is worth finding out what your rights are and um, your obligations. And a lot of a lot of it is financial. So before you leave as well, you should be gathering financial information, bank statements, um, income tax returns, and notices of assessment, and, and making sure that you have access to all of that so that if your spouse um, tries to hide things or whatever, you've already accumulated a lot of the financial information you're going to need. So those are all the things that you need to do 
beforehand and yeah. before you, you talk to a lawyer. You should do that before you talk to a lawyer, but you could certainly do it after. Um, and you should also, you know, start considering who you want to have as your support team. Because often when you're going through a divorce, it is a good idea if you can afford it or if you have coverage to have a therapist, um, perhaps a coach, um, a financial advisor. You know, there's various elements to, to it, the team that are really important to have trusted people in place before you move forward with a divorce. But uh, probably most people won't have the financial backing to do all of that. So it's not necessarily necessary to no. have a team like that. No, but I you're mean, just suggesting it I'm if suggesting you can't it, afford it. Yes. Uh, you know, a good friend can be a huge, you know, benefit. Don't use your children, but a good friend can be a, a huge support. Especially your young children. Please do not. <laughs> yes. Okay. No, uh, needing, uh, knowing you need to speak to a lawyer and actually knowing where to look for one that is best suited for you can be a challenge. Uh, so how do you find a lawyer that is best for you? What are some tips? Well, that's a really good question because a lot of people, um, you know, when they're going through a divorce, they ask their friends and family, like, do you know a family lawyer? And, you know, they go to the first name, you know, given to them by their third cousin or something. And that person, that lawyer may or may not be the right fit for them. A lot depends on your own assessment of your spouse and how you think the divorce is going to go. Do you think it's something where it's going to be fairly civilized and amicable and, you know, maybe you need a mediator initially, um, or maybe you, you know, you want to have a lawyer that tends to not do, you know, the litigation as much. If your spouse is really, it's really hostile and toxic, you're going to want to make sure you have a lawyer who has a lot of court experience and who is aggressive, who can keep... But how do you find that out? How do you find all that information out? Well, interviewing. I mean, I don't think you should just speak to one lawyer. I mean, you can, you know, most lawyers will give you, you know, a few minutes of their time on the phone um, for free. Um, So I would say, you know, asking around, getting advice from people who've actually used that lawyer, if you can, and you know, and then interviewing more than one because it's part of it is about a fit. Today on the Dating and Relationship Show with Leanne Townsend, family lawyer, we're talking about the legalities around divorce. And if you're planning to get a divorce, this is a show that you don't want to miss. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta. From singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show, Global News Radio 640 Toronto, we're talking about the legalities around divorce with family lawyer and divorce specialist Leanne Townsend. She is a partner at the law firm Brody Thorning LLP. Welcome back, welcome back. So before the break, I was asking you uh, your opinion on how to find the best lawyer uh, for you. Now, I Google everything. Like, I'm doing a house rental right now, and I must, I, I think I s- probably sit on the computer for five hours every night Googling, you know, backsplash, this and that. And I would Google finding a lawyer. Can you find reviews on, about lawyers on Google? You can. And, you know, that I would say that is a way a lot of people do find a lawyer because when someone calls me, that's always, uh, often one of my first questions is, how did you find me? And sometimes they say through Google. Um, so, you know, lots of lawyers have Google reviews. Um, 
they can be reliable, but you know, you, you get that disgruntled ex who decides to go and review their spouse's lawyer and give a bad rating. You have to, uh, you know, kind of keep in mind that the review may not be totally accurate. Um, but you know, it is a way to get information about a particular lawyer. And Leanne, does does the court do the courts recognize a disgruntled ex most of the time? Um, the courts want people to keep emotion out of it as much as possible. So often when you have a disgruntled ex, you, you have another, the other partner is disgruntled to some degree. And I think with courts, they often feel, okay, he says this, she says that. I don't know. I'm not there. You know, you're both, you're both doing things wrong. (laughs) I know what you were going to (laughs) say. And, you know, so there is a bit of that. Like, I think people come in and they, you know, they're very upset and they, their spouse has been doing some awful things, but their spouse, you know, gives a different side of the story, true or false. You know, some people lie and a judge can't necessarily discern between who's telling the truth and who's lying on certain things. So a lot of it is really just about money and business decisions in a sense, and then get the, getting a parenting schedule if you have children. Okay, so let's face it, there are many lawyers that can get the job done, but there are some that just cannot, and they're not quite what you expect. Some lawyers have been known to, you know, just not do what you want them to do and drag cases on in their best interest just to rack up your bill, okay? Not saying you do that, but there are lawyers that do that because I know of some. So what happens if you don't like the lawyer that you selected once you've done that? Is there something that you can do? Uh, well, you can always switch lawyers. Um, there's a cost involved in doing that in that if you get a new lawyer, they're going to have to get up to speed on your file and, you know, you're going to have to pay them for your, their time to do that. Um, but if you're really disgruntled with your lawyer, I, I think that you should, or if you have concerns about their capability as well, then then you should switch. You can report them though. You can I report them to the Law Society. I, I know reporting their lawyer to the Law Society. You can report them to the Law Society and you can also ask to have your account assessed, which is where um, there's a a body that goes through the bills that you've sent to the client and they assess whether, you know, you've overcharged them and and this sort of thing. So that's an option as well for people. Um, There are people who abuse that as well. Um, And, you know, that's the problem, particularly in an area like family law is, Again, you're dealing with emotional people, so sometimes they, you know, report things that aren't justified to. The Law Society deals with both sides, so there are times when it is, there's times when it's not, but people have that option if they feel that, you know, their lawyer's incompetent, they certainly should report that. Um, But they're going to be, it's not just going to be, they're going to have to show evidence of it. Okay, and sometimes there's a concern when it comes to finances, uh, your own finances, and maybe you can't afford a lawyer. Maybe I can't afford a lawyer. So what can I do if I can't afford a lawyer? Uh, you have a couple of options. I mean, some people qualify for legal aid. A lot of people, unfortunately, are above the threshold because there's been a lot of cutbacks. Do you in know legal what the aid. threshold is? I don't, but I know, like for a stay-at-home mom, for example, she would qualify. Um, but you know, most people who have some amount of a job and if you own any assets, you probably won't qualify. Um, so there is that as an option. 
Um, but as well, uh, mediation can sometimes be a cheaper option depending on the mediator and depending on how, um, you know, hostile the divorce is. And then even with lawyers, there's, you know, some as low as 150 or 200 an hour and some as much as 800 an hour. So 800, <laughs> 800. Don't go to that one, people. <laughs> You're not 800, are you? No, no. Okay. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but do go to Leanne because she's great. All right. So you don't, let's talk about the law when it comes to common law relationships. So you don't always have to be married to have rights in a relationship. Common law relationships also hold values, but these terms can become confusing. So can you explain to the listeners the difference between dating, common law, and marriage? Yes. Dating uh, means that you don't live together. So you're you're in a relationship, but you each have your own separate residences. Common law means that you're living together, but you're not married. And of course, married is, is married. And um, if you're dating someone, you generally don't need to involve lawyers unless you have a child together. Um, but common law or marriage, there's different rights that uh, people have depending on which of those situations they're in. So, for example, um, at com- if you live common law, you don't have property rights. You only have property rights when you're married to somebody. And a lot of people don't understand that um, because there's some places in the U.S. where people do have property rights. But here in Ontario, and I should stress that I'm only talking about Ontario law here, um, but it's true. Through, this is true throughout Canada. Common law people do not. So if if you live in a house that's owned by your spouse at common law, you don't have a right to title to that. Okay. Now, what 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 if you're helping to pay for the bills in that home? That's where it can get trickier. Or if you're a stay at home mom raising children, for example, and your spouse is the one who owns the home and is making the the money and paying off the mortgage, you can make arguments for unjust enrichment and there's certain trust arguments, but it just gets more complicated and it's harder to do. Okay, we're we're talking about the law when it comes to common law relationships. This is really interesting stuff. Don't go anywhere, stay with us. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You're tuned in to Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm your host, Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca. What a special show tonight. Leanne Townsend is here. She is a partner at the law firm Brody Thorning LLP. She's a family lawyer. She's also a divorce specialist. And before the break, we were talking about the differences in terms of legal consequences uh, between living common law and being married. So Leanne, I cut you off a little bit. So please continue. Yeah, so the property rights are one difference, and the other issue is spousal support. If you live common law, you have to have lived together here in Ontario for three years before you're entitled to spousal support. Okay, so it's not one year, because that confuses a lot of people. A no, lot of people are not sure. Is it one year or is it three? It's three. Three? Yes. Okay. Uh, but if you're married, it, it can kick in right away. So that that's another key difference. Okay, so the same applies to if you're married and one spouse makes more money than the other, then then you could be entitled to spousal support, you even could, if you're not married. Uh, if, if you've been together for three years. Okay. Now, what if children are involved? 
Uh, let's ask a few questions around that. Uh, what if, um, how is custody determined if children are involved? Well, custody is determined, it's always about what is in the best interest of the child. So whatever arrangement gets put in place, whichever parent has custody or whether it's joint custody. But it's not the parent. So now that you're living in a common law relationship and they're not your children. Well, but you've you've brought them up like they are your children. So do you have rights to those children? You do. Um, okay. And that child may also have a right to child support from you. That's where it can get <gasps> murky is, you know, you have a step parent or a common law, you know, kind of someone acting in a step parent role. And they can end up um, having child support responsibilities to that child. So they could be on their second marriage or third marriage and have children that they're paying child support for somewhere and then they might have to pay child support again and yes. spousal again yes gosh it can it's get just, very expensive. I, I just find the law is so unfair a little bit it is I, I, it think? can be i, I mean, mean you can't really comment on no. that i'm sure but but i can say so because i'm not a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> i think some especially men i guess because i men still make more money than women um not all but some and i just find that a lot of them get duped I think that there's two sides to it because I have male clients that definitely I I can understand from their perspective why you know they're doling out all this money and it can and and their ex-wife isn't even working and is you know 37 years old and claims you know she and she's in a relationship uh, with someone else yeah no exactly that's the kicker but then there's also um, a lot of situations where you see the woman who is really being jerked around by, you know, her ex-husband in terms of not paying support. And, you know, she gave up a career and raised children and was home for 25 years or something. And um, that's a little different. Yes. I'm talking like newer relationships, you know, you, you get, or you even I've heard of guys getting married after a year, you know, this, the, she wants half of everything. It's like, well... <laughs> But she's not going to get it. I mean, if you what you bring into a marriage is protected unless you mingle it in. Um, so, you know, if some person is worth, you know, $10 million and they marry someone worth nothing, after a year, that, that person's not going to be entitled to $5 million. But there are people that feel like they're entitled to it. And it there drives are. me crazy. And, oh, like... and, I, and I hate to say it as a woman. It's one of the things, it's one of my pet peeves is women who, who, who just look for men to support them and think that they're entitled to, um, you know, lifetime support because they married someone for five years who had a good job. And, you know, the, the law wouldn't give them that, but it's it, I, it does get, you know, I, as I say, it is one of my pet peeves when I see people who are expecting someone else to carry them for ridiculously long periods of time and they're doing nothing to try and support themselves. Yeah, it happens uh, way too often, doesn't it, Leanne? Unfortunately. Let's talk about the rights that fathers have to custody. Whether you're in a common law relationship or you've been married. It's changing. I mean, years ago, um, you know, it was much less common for fathers to to have custody. And nowadays, what we see a lot of the time is joint custody. So, you know, and shared parenting where the, ch the parents both make decisions because custody has to do with decisions to, with respect to health, education, religion and extracurricular activities. That's what custody is. And then there's the actual physical location of the child, which is more about shared parenting. And so 
So we're seeing a lot more of, you know, 60-40, 50-50 types of shared parenting plans. And, you know, now it's much more widely recognized because dads are a lot more involved than they were years ago that, you know, children can do just fine, you know, with dad. Dad can get them to school. Dad can cook, you know, these sorts of things. So Dad more, can clean. Dad can clean. Well, I don't know about that one, but <laughs> shouldn't say that. But um, yeah, but yeah it, it's there. The fathers are much more involved than years ago. And so their rights um, and the decisions you're seeing in the courts are much more oriented towards, you know, shared parenting, joint custody and that sort of thing. And so it should be. So how is child support determined then? Child support is based on, we have federal child support guidelines. So it's it's fairly set in that you look at how many children there are, you look at um, if it's, a, if say mom has full custody, you would look at dad's income and how many children and then the guidelines would tell you what he has to pay. If it's joint custody and and a shared parenting situation where the children are equal amounts of time or roughly equal amounts of time with both parents and both parents work, then you would look at, or even if both parents don't work, you look at the income of parent, of mom, you look at the income of dad and you look it up on the child support guidelines and see what they would have to pay if they had to pay the full amount. And then whatever the difference is between those two amounts, there's an offset. I don't know if I'm explaining this very clearly, but the parent who has a higher income would have to pay an offset to the parent with the lower income, but it's not the full amount that they would have to pay if it wasn't shared parenting and joint custody. Okay, and at what age can a child uh, decide which parent he wants to live with? Uh, there's not a specific age, but as they get older into like tweens and definitely teens, they have a voice. And so I, I heard they had a voice at 12. Is that not the case? It, it's like because that's roughly an age where you would say that they they're you know, they understand the situation enough that they can have a voice. It, it's not spelled out that it's 12, but that's generally what you see in the courts. We're talking about the legalities around divorce on the Dating and Relationship Show. We'll be back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Thanks for tuning in each and every Sunday night. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host. You're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show. This is Global News Radio 640 Toronto. In studio with me is family lawyer and divorce specialist Leanne Townsend. She is with the partner or she is a partner, sorry, at the law firm Brody Thorning LLP here in Toronto. So let's talk about um, abuse in relationships. So I know that intimate spousal abuse can go unrecognized and unreported for many years. On average, every six days in Canada, a woman is killed by their intimate partner. Yikes. Yeah, that's shocking. That is shocking. So what if your spouse is abusive? How does that affect things legally? Um, it affects things in a few ways. I mean, one thing is if your spouse is abusive, uh, that can be grounds to get exclusive possession of the matrimonial home. So if you're in that situation and your partner won't leave and they're, he or she is abusing you, you can use that as to, to apply to court to have them have to move out of the home uh, while all of the family law stuff is sorted out. So it's, it's relevant there. Where it gets murkier is with respect to things like parenting, because, um, you know, some some 
parents who are abusive will argue, well, first of all, they won't admit usually that they're abusive, but they'll they'll want their rights to the child. And then it becomes an issue if they're abusive towards the other parent, how does that affect their parenting? And, you know, it's seen as a separate thing in a lot of ways. So even though dad or mom may have been abusing the other um, that may not affect, you know, that they're uh, they're going to have time with the, their children as well um, when they split up. So it, it, it makes it just murkier um, in terms of just because someone's abusive, it doesn't mean that they don't have rights to their child. Okay. Uh, as long as they're not abusing the child. As long as they're not abusing. Yeah, that's a, if they're abusing the child, then they, you know, they would need to have supervised access, if access at all. Uh, so that would be a different thing. But if they're just, ab- if, I shouldn't say just, but if they're abusing the, the spouse, then they still have rights to, you know, custody and access with respect to the children. And I've heard uh, people in the past say, uh, if you are, if you do want to get a divorce and like neither of you want to leave the home they say never to leave the home don't leave don't leave so why should someone not leave the home we hear that a lot and that's I find I get clients and that's one of the things their friends are always you know telling them don't the, the arm the, home. the armchair lawyers um, are always tell, giving their two cents and um, it is uh, there are reasons you know not to leave the home particularly if you, if you have children because if the children are in the home and you leave the home then you might be creating a status quo with respect to the children you know that you're not living with them now and it could be harder down the road to change that but if you don't have children um, it doesn't necessarily like your property rights are going to be the same whether you're in the home or not in the home and so I always say to clients if it's if it's so toxic you know that it's really undermining your children's quality of life and your quality of life to be in the home then you know it might be worth leaving the home, but you would just want to be wise about it. And you definitely want to consult with a lawyer before doing that to make sure that you're not um, hurting yourself with respect to future custody or, you know, property or, or things like that. Um, so it's it's generally if it's tolerable, my advice would be to stay in the home. If it's toxic, then you may consider other options. Now, what if your spouse is an addict or an alcoholic? Does this affect things during a divorce? For sure it does. And some of those are the most difficult situations because if someone is an addict or an alcoholic, I mean, they're ill and often they're in denial of their illness. So they don't want to get help. And the reality is a child is not safe if they're, you know, alone with someone who has an addiction or substance abuse issue. But you would have to prove that they had a, a substance abuse problem Which, which or is an challenging, right? Because it's one person's word against the other again. And so, so again, unless they've been arrested. you have to gather your, your evidence. You have to gather your evidence. If they've been arrested, of course, that have they've been arrested for drug or alcohol-related charges, that's going to help because that's an uh, objective third-party situation. But you may have to get affidavits from family members who've seen things. Um, you know, it, How about if you tape them? Can that be admissible in court? Uh, it can be in certain circumstances. Um, and even just in terms of they may, if you've got them on tape, they may then say, okay, you know what, I'll, I'll go to rehab or whatever Let's as well. Let's go back to the affidavit part. 
Uh, what were you saying about affidavits from um, your well, friends, families? Yeah, Can you explain you, that a little bit? Yeah, I was just saying you could get um, affidavits from family members or friends who have seen your partner uh, abusing drugs or alcohol. And that if it ended up being a trial, that, that could be they could be called as witnesses on the trial to that. Or it could be anything for that matter pertaining to the divorce. Doesn't yes. have to necessarily be. They, I mean, they can swear an affidavit um Regarding anything to do with your divorce doesn't necessarily have to be if they're an addict or not. And so is that something that they have to write? Um, it's something that they have to write and have like notarized or commissioned. But it's not something you want to do except in very limited circumstances. Because the worst thing that can happen as a lawyer, I find, is when you have a client who wants to round up you know, there are 25 family members and friends to give affidavits about how, what a jerk, you know, their ex is. And so that it's not really relevant if Uncle John thinks that Michael, you know, is a jerk um, or, you know, swore in front of the, the children and that sort of thing, because you're going to say that. But it's something like abuse or substance abuse. If, if they're denying that it's going on, that's where it can help to have some of this corroborating material. We're talking about the legalities around divorce. And when we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show, we're talking we're going to give you some tips for keeping legal costs down because we know it can get very expensive. We'll be back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And we're back. You're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night and I'm your host, Laura Bilotta. And with me today in studio is family lawyer and divorce specialist Leanne Townsend. She is a partner at the law firm Brody Thorning LLP. Uh, and what a co- interesting conversation, Leanne. I'm sure this is uh, giving a lot of great insight to a lot of people who probably need it. Because let's face it, divorce is, I don't think it's on the rise. I think it's like at a standstill right now. Because how can it get any worse? Yeah, I think the statistics show it has, it's not necessarily on the rise. But, it, you know, it's a high high level. And, and not everyone, like the, the divorce statistics aren't even taking into account the common law people who, you know, split up. So there's still all, all of those people to Well, I think in. the common law relationships are on the rise, though. I think they are too. Yes. So divorce may be going down, but it doesn't mean the breakups with kids and all of that um, are on the decline. So you will always have a job. <laughs> I think so. There's always a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> now, for, facing a divorce can be very overwhelming. I think we all uh, know this. Definitely. Uh, we, we all know someone who's been through a divorce. I've never been married, so I've never been through a divorce. I did have a friend, though, once tell me that I had to get married because a lot of my friends are divorced. And she said, you have to at least try it once, whether it works <laughs> or it doesn't. And I was like, I don't have to try anything at least once. <laughs> I don't want to get a divorce. No, thanks. It's definitely, and I mean... Y- you're um, engaging with people that get divorced all the time. It must be one of the most stressful, stressful times uh, that that in someone's life that they can go through. Because you've been divorced, too, and yeah, it was I've very stressful for you as it well. It is, and it's definitely. I mean, I think studies show that next to death of a spouse, divorce is the second most stressful event in life that people go through. And I think people sometimes underestimate the impact that it has and and you know people are when you're going through a divorce everything in your life is in upheaval where you're going to live how much money you're going to have your financial future um you know it affects family relations 
that you worry about? Am I going to have time with my children? How's that going to look? Am I going to be alone the rest of my life? There's just so many things that go you through You are not going mind. to be alone for the rest of your <laughs> no, life. No, you go see Laura. You will, yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> so will be alone for the rest of your life, though, if you don't think positively, right? Yes, for sure. You just have to put it out there. But I think, too, I think... While you're going through divorce and separation and all that, that you should probably take some time out for yourself and concentrate on yourself and your children. Do you do you agree, Leanne? Oh, totally. I, I think that you should, you know, take time, especially for your children. But I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that, especially for yourself as well and, and heal because, um, you know, divorce involves a grieving process. There's a loss that you have to grieve. And if you just jump right into another relationship right away, you probably haven't done the grieving and, and the healing. And it's also a wonderful time to reconnect with who you really are because mm-hmm. A lot of us in relationships, you know, we end up compromising and we stop doing some of the things we used to enjoy because our spouse doesn't like it or gave us grief about it. This and is so- your time to shine. Exactly, exactly. Turn it around and, and make it a positive rather than a negative thing. For sure. Because it's not, some, it's not something that you can change. So you can't go on your entire life, you know, um, thinking negatively about it, you have to turn it around and make it a positive thing. Yeah, it's a chance to move forward in your with your life in a positive way. You've been in a, a bad situation that's probably been, you know, bringing you down and wearing you down. And it's a chance to step out of that. And, and there might be someone more suitable for you out there. Exactly. So what are some tips for keeping the legal costs down? Well, the number one tip is to keep your emotions out of it as much as possible. and Which to, many people do not do. They, they do not. And don't use your lawyer as a counsel, as a like as a social worker or a therapist or a friend because that's how you run the bill up i mean you'll lawyers all family lawyers have situations where you have clients call up and you know they spend half an hour on the phone with them and they're purely venting about how awful their ex is and how upset they are and it really has nothing to do with a legal question and you know meanwhile they understand they've signed a retainer like the way i pay my bills and and you know pay my mortgage and buy food for my children is by charging fees by the hour. That's how I make my living. So when people call up and, you know, use up half an hour of time, they have to pay for that and they understand that, but they get caught up in their emotions. And that's something they should just be talking to a friend about or a therapist, but not their lawyer. But sometimes when, uh, because you guys know a lot, so I can see how people would turn to you to be... (laughs) Well, it it happened. I mean, all family lawyers. Because you you can reassure them and let them know that things are going to be okay, you know, when it comes to the legalities around the divorce. So I can see that happening. It does. It happens a lot. And, you know, but it's something that people could reduce their costs a lot if they're mindful of that. Like, do I really need to talk to my lawyer or do I really just need to talk to somebody? Um, Are there any are there any other tips for keeping legal costs down? I think being as proactive as you can with doing like your financial stuff and things like that, if you can, rather than just delegating everything to the lawyer to do, like if you if you can get your your financial statement together as much as possible, um, that can save on costs if your lawyer's not having to, you know, spoon feed and make calls on your behalf, you know, to your bank. You know, there's there's things like that. Like some people just don't want to get involved in any of it. Do you like it. spoon feeding, though, Liam? <laughs> well, I it it 
I make more money when I spoon feed, but that's, you know, and then everyone says lawyers charge too much. But, you know, that's the reality. If people don't want to do that stuff for themselves, then they have to pay someone else to do it. All right. So before break, uh, let's just, uh, we have time for one more question. What happens if your spouse wants to keep lawyers out of it? Should you uh, or should you agree or not? That's a common thing that seems to happen is I'll have a, someone come to me and they'll say, well, my husband didn't want lawyers, said we shouldn't get lawyers, we should keep lawyers out of it. And I always say, well, why do you think they're saying that to you? Like, is it in, you know, whose interest is it in to keep lawyers out of it? And usually the person who's saying it, it's in their interest because they're trying to take advantage of it in some way. And you're not going to get a valid separation agreement without having lawyers involved in some part uh, well, of it. Well, I, I, I think you can download one off the internet. You can, but if, if there's a problem down the road <laughs> and your spouse is t- objecting to something in it, it's not going to stand up if they didn't, if there weren't lawyers, independent legal advice and, and all of that. So you, if, if you have a very amicable situation and, you know, no one's ever going to challenge it, but that the, the purpose of having a separation agreement is to prevent you know, problems from arising down the road when you're not so chummy and, you know, something happens and somebody isn't in compliance. And I guess I think it depends on the situation because I know someone who got a divorce and it cost them $150,000 in legal fees. And I just think that's absolutely ludicrous and ridiculous. And you could not have like come to terms or come up, come up with some sort of arrangement or agreement, just the two of you? Like, does it have to get to that? So basically, you lost your house. But if- part of the problem is some clients, like, they just hate each other so much. And it's such a tit for tat. It's not the lawyers making it go on and on. You have clients who just will not resolve. They would rather pay the lawyers money than their spouse. And when you see a case where it's $100,000, $200,000 in legal fees, that's what's often happened. Okay, we're going to continue with our conversation on tips for keeping legal costs down. We're talking about the legalities around divorce on the Dating and Relationship Show. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We are talking about the legalities around divorce with family lawyer and divorce specialist Leanne Townsend. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host. Before the break, we were uh, offering tips on keeping your legal costs down. And Leanne, you've been absolutely fantastic in answering all my questions. You always are. Thank you. And sorry, I'm riding you a little bit. But, you know, <laughs> we have to do the back and forth, right? Because people, some people have been burnt by lawyers. So, and not all lawyers are bad, but we need to know and we need to recognize the bad ones. But you're not a bad no. one. You're a I mean, one. and I agree. There's bad apples in every profession. But I do feel sometimes we get an are, unfair bad rap because it's a cl- Clients that are prolonging things and and running up legal fees by their actions and not wanting to settle and it's not necessarily the lawyer who's dragging it on. Um, I you know and and that but they'll blame the clients will turn on you at the drop of a hat and blame you when meanwhile it was their conduct. But I think that people like to blame other people for their issues and problems. For sure. Yeah, For sure. people don't want to take ownership. Well, I'm a matchmaker and a lot of matchmakers have a bad rap, right? They take your money and then they don't match you up with anyone. But then again, like it's, it's it, what are you expecting from this matchmaker? Like, are you expecting, uh, you know, some Prince Charming to, to show up on a white horse? Like, are you, do you, um, uh, you know, do you match up 
with the people that you're looking for. So there's all sorts. Yeah, for there's sure. There's bad in every profession and there's good in every profession. There is. I'm one of the good matchmakers. I, I know you are. <laughs> My service is actually very affordable. So that doesn't happen. All right. Um, let's talk about pets in the house. Very important. I have a dog. I'm a dog lover. I couldn't imagine someone saying, I'm taking the dog. Well, I, I, no, you're not taking the dog. My dog. I bought the dog. Well, if you bought the dog, you keep the dog. <laughs> so then um, I have to prove that I bought the dog? Well, if y- you do, if it's an issue. I mean, uh, sadly, pets, um, it's starting to change a little bit, but they're often just treated like a, any piece of property, like a couch or, or oh, you know, the, the chandelier. Couch. Whoever bought it has ownership. It has feelings. I know. A couch? It, exactly. It's starting to change as, uh, you know, as our attachments to pets have, you know, growing more and more. So it's start, they're starting to be looked at a, as more than just a piece of property and not quite akin to children, but a little more similar that way. But traditionally, the law just treats them like property. So whoever per- actually purchased the pet gets to keep the pet. Don't worry, little Maxie, if you're listening back home, you are not a couch. <laughs> <laughs> you're a little love bug. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little dog crazy. All right. <laughs> so uh, tell us, um, what are some of the biggest mistakes in your experience made by couples that are separating? I think the number one mistake, which we've touched upon, is just letting their emotions get too involved in making decisions based on emotion. Because at the end of the day, a lot of divorce is really just about money. So a lot of it is really a business decision. It's not an emotional decision. So I would say that's the number one. It's not always because some people are just out for vengeance. Well, because they're upset about the breakup. So but that's the emotional part that they should be keeping out of it. Um, and that's what's going to make it, you know, much more expensive is if they, you know, if they if there's if someone's out for vengeance, that runs things up. Um, and then the other mistake I think a lot of people make is listening too much to family and friends. Like, you know, they want to run everything that the lawyer is saying by their non-lawyer family and friends who all put in their two cents about what the lawyer should be saying or doing and why isn't your lawyer doing this and that. Or a family or, or the the, fam- the person in the family that thinks they're a lawyer. Yes, there's a lot of <laughs> wannabe lawyers out there. Uh, you know, everyone who's gone through a divorce, you know, ha- feels they've got an expert expertise in family law as well. And so you get all those people putting their two cents in and and it just makes things really complicated and and unnecessarily so. And okay, so what are your top three tips? Let's we have time for about top three tips for people going through a divorce. Top three. Number one is put your kids first, no matter what, like to take your hurt feelings, your anger out of it as much as possible and put your kids first. Number two, keep your emotions out of it. And keep your kids out of it. And keep your kids out of it, for sure. And number three is just get a, you know, a good support network in place, even if it's just a good friendship group, because you are going to need to vent and you are going to need support to get through it. Okay, let's just talk about uh, quickly, because we have like maybe 30 seconds, but why is it important to keep your kids out of it, Leanne? It's so important because they're entitled to a relationship with both mom and dad. And mom or dad could be a terrible uh, partner, but they may still be a very good parent. And, you know, if you try and uh, bias your child against them or drag them into adult issues, you're only harming the child. And and I say it's a form of child abuse. You know, it really is. So you're not, you're hurting the child as much, if not more than the other parent. And can lead them into a depression because I've seen it. 
And anxiety as well. Exactly. Okay, so divorce can be easy, it can be difficult, it can be emotionally draining, and sometimes it can be a nightmare. Knowing where to turn and what to do can go a long way. I hope this episode has helped answer any questions that you have regarding divorce. But if you haven't, that's okay, because Leanne is here. Uh, If anyone has any more information that they're looking for, how can they find Leanne Townsend? Well, they can go to um, www.btlegal.ca, which is my law firm's website. That's btlegal.ca. And I also have my own website, www.leannetownsend.ca. All my contact information is on uh, both of those sites. And you can also find me on social media, Leanne Townsend Life on Instagram. And I'm on Facebook and uh, Twitter as well. And if it's your second time around, we don't discriminate at Single in the City. Oh, no, we don't. Check out our affordable matchmaking service and our fun events where everyone is single. Go to singleinthecity.ca. And if you want to reach out to me, my old Instagram got hacked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it got hacked. Terrible. Yeah, they, they 27,000 followers. They deleted it. And so my new account is official Laura Bellotta. I hope to see you there. Have a great week, everyone. Ciao for now.